Hello and welcome back to Hoops Royalty. I'm King Jemison alongside, as always, my man in Cleveland, Karna Vankatraj. And man, it has been far too long since we have hopped on this beautiful riverside together to discuss the Memphis Grizzlies basketball, to discuss the NBA, to discuss whatever the heck is on our mind on that day. So before we get into it all, like, how are you doing? Are you surviving the baseball offseason? And what does that offseason look like for for you as you round into, you know, about two months before opening day? It's been busy. It's been fun. Um, I was actually playing basketball. I actually didn't tell you about this, but I was playing basketball the other day. Um, fell on my shoulder and sprained my AC joint. Dude, you're so um, old. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm like nine. Dude, it feels like I'm 90, man. In front of my boss, too, actually. We're on the same basketball team, and he saw me. He was like, dude, you need to work. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I'm old, decrepit, but, uh, you know, happy to be talking Memphis Grizzlies hoops, man. It's been a Yeah, it, it was crazy to me uh, to start watching college baseball this weekend. I'm like, it's not baseball season yet. Uh-oh. It's still college baseball. College baseball opening weekend? Yeah, I know. I mean, it's lit, but it's also 20 degrees outside. Yeah. And, like, I'm having to wear an Arctic Tundra jacket just to step outside of my apartment. I'm like, this is not baseball weather. And yet, uh, I guess in other parts of the country, it is. Um, I went to a part of the country where it should be baseball, golf, whatever, outdoor activity weather. Phoenix last week covering the Waste Management Phoenix Open and uh, the craziness that ensued there. Um, but unfortunately, I carried Midwestern weather with me. It never got up into the 60s in the week I was there. We're talking about Scottsdale, Arizona, and it rained like all week. So I apparently am a magnet for uh, terrible weather, but it was also so much fun and a great experience to to cover that golf tournament. And, you know, a lot of publicity came out about it uh, and about all the drunk fans. By, there was, was written by, by King Jimison. Jimison. But my experience at it was was awesome, and and you know, experiencing that chaos from a media perspective certainly led to a lot of good stories. But yeah, speaking of good stories, the Grizzlies have produced quite a few of those as well. And uh, this season, we know that injuries have taken away any real on court goals. But I think there's been uh, almost as much fun um, as a result of this lack of expectations and pressure. And so we're just going to go through. Uh, a few questions that I think can recap the season here at the all-star break with the Grizzlies, you know, basically just trying to set, secure their lottery position, not really playing for anything on the court, but also trying to develop who are going to be those guys around your core moving into next season where the title window must be well and truly open. So Karna, as I hit our transition here, the first question is this season where the Grizzlies are 20 and 36 are well outside of the playoffs. Would you still consider it a fun season? So, I wouldn't say it's been a... There have been fun stories, right? J.J. Jackson, an incredibly fun, awesome story. But there's one guy... I really hate to say this. I I, I don't want to make us a one-man team because we're not a one-man team. The Grizzlies have a lot of good pieces, but there's one guy who makes Memphis Grizzlies basketball fun, fun, capital F-U-N, and that's John Morant. And not having him for the season, I think, disqualifies the Grizzlies from having a truly fun season. Because there's nothing more fun, and I know you agree with me here, than winning. And 
And that's been my mentality with sports, been my mentality with anything, probably why I got sprained my AC joint. Um, <laughs> so yep. I, I wouldn't call it a tr- uh, like a fun season all in all, end to end. But I do think there is a lot of awesome, fun, great storylines with the Grizzlies, including Gigi Jackson, Vince Williams Jr. I think from that perspective, storylines are fun, but there's nothing more fun than winning. There's nothing more fun than seeing John Morant play basketball. And without those two things, in my opinion, it's not really an all-in-all fun season. We're going to get to Vince and Gigi later. Um, we're going to have a, a, a little debate there to debate their greatness, debate their awesomeness, to put them in the GOAT debate where I think they're pretty rapidly climbing up on, um, you know, Kareem and, and Kobe and that, you know, second tier in the GOAT debate. <laughs> That's about where I think Gigi is at this point. When you said goat debate, I was like, what is he doing? I'm not going to like slam this dude right now, but, but then I, okay, I got it. I got it. My bad. I'm just playing. But <laughs> the advantage of holding the soundboard is I can throw a royal decree here to answer my own questions. My royal decree is that this season actually has been fun over about the last month. And I say this okay. even as the Grizzlies have suffered a nine-game losing streak before winning two straight heading into the All-Star break, including a really fun win on Thursday night over the Bucks. But what's been fun over the last month is that for the first time since the uh, 2021-22 season, there's been no expectations and no pressure on the Grizzlies. Like last year, after you were the number two seed, you got to the conference semifinals. Like there were expectations, and that meant that like between Jaws suspensions between their struggles on the road, uh, between the Steven Adams and Brandon Clark injuries, it all felt like hopeless and it felt like it was crumbling. And then you come into this season and you're like, okay, that was kind of a, a gap year. Can we bring it back and get back to contention this season? And then like the first 25 games were brutal going six and 19 without jaw. Like I will not try to explain that that's fun. Um, and then the four games with Jaw, the four game winning streak, as soon as he comes back, that was top of the world. We're riding the roller coaster, and and we think we're going to win, win it all this year, just because of one guy. Um, and then there was a period after that where he gets injured, Desmond gets injured, Mark Smart gets injured, and all of a sudden, basketball wasn't fun until the Vince and Gigi emergence. Until we've seen this, you know. Um, basically merry-go-round of different players put on a Grizzlies uniform. Um, and a lot of them have great moments in a Grizzlies uniform. And because I've just been able to watch the Grizzlies play without any worry about whether they win and lose. In fact, in some ways, a part of my mind, at least, if not my heart is saying they probably should be losing. It's just been an enjoyable experience uh, to watch them play. Yeah, no, I, 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 and that's why I said there's really fun storylines here. Like, mm-hmm. Even even people like Jacob Gilliard, a guy who may not have gotten a shot um, on an every on an everyday kind of basis, and, and played as big a role as he has, I think for a lot of people it's cool to see you know a guy who really really worked hard in, in Richmond, a guy who's physically undersized, perform at an NBA level. And, and sure, is he the best point guard that the Grizzlies have ever had? No, but it's cool to see those guys step into roles. And perform, but I I want to maybe put a caveat too. I I think apart from being fun, which as fans it's really awesome to have that. I think for us as people who really really 
love Memphis Grizzlies basketball, but really want them to win. It was also enlightening from the front office, Mm -hmm. right? I've been preaching all season, the see what you have strategy, right? Seeing where our young players are. And I think this year, and you've seen it from the front office, they have really taken stock about what they have and what they want to keep. And sure, you may disagree with some of the moves they made, specifically trading David Roddy versus other assets that have been on the team. You may disagree with that, but at least they're taking stock. So not only has this been, sure, it's been a fun season, I guess, from a certain perspective, but it's also been enlightening. And I'm glad the front office is looking introspectively and being like, hey, this guy isn't going to help us win. Let's move on for him. Let's see what we can get. And sure, we have a plurality of second round picks, but at least we're turning this into something that we can build on later, right? So I think it's been really enlightening in a lot of ways too about what the Grizzlies front office thinks is going to work when John Moran, Desmond Bain, and Jaron Jackson Jr. are in full health. I think the prioritization is starting to change, and I think that that's going to be really interesting. Now, if you ask me what those priorities are, I have no idea, but at least that's also exciting to think about is that there's maybe a new vision for the Grizzlies and what a championship run looks like. Yeah, the Grizzlies are kind of this weird science experiment this season. Oh my god! Like, yeah, how can we just cobble together uh, the the top G League talent, the top ten day talent, and you know a series of young players and try to turn them into a competent NBA team? And some nights they have been like this team without yeah. Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, John Morant, or Marcus Smart, Brandon Clark, whatever. Like at least your five best players yeah. um, coming into the season, they still beat the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> I feel and, like, yeah, and I feel like our front office has a really special way of making itself look really, really smart, right? Gigi Jackson Jr. might be, I like, if he pans out the way that the Grizzlies fans want him to pan out, might be an all-time draft steal, right? On the other hand, you have guys like David Roddy being traded away after, like, one or two yeah, years. Yeah, like You're basically I, giving up David Roddy for a spare yeah. part. Yeah, front office both looks like some of the smartest people in basketball and some of the dumbest people in basketball. And that variance scares me, right? We are not drafting consistently good players, but we are drafting on either end of the spectrum. That That is a scary proposition if you're a fan of a team, but it makes for fun, like, commentary and, and at least analysis. So from yeah. that perspective, too, it's pretty fun. Well, let's just get into that David Roddy trade real quick. So at the deadline – the Grizzlies make a couple moves, send out a couple of, you know, pretty long tenured Grizzlies, particularly in the in the first player's case. And that would be Xavier Tillman trade him to the Celtics where he's expected to be part of their playoff rotation. They get back a couple second round picks and Lamar Stevens, who's on an expiring contract. He's played well in his time in Memphis, but not a guy that Grizzlies fans should expect to continue to see. They took on an expiring contract for a reason. But first of all, you send out Tillman. And then um, while I was in Phoenix, they trade David Roddy to the Suns. And it was interesting to hear uh, what uh, Coach Frank Vogel said. I was at the, the Suns game in the press conference, and he was like, you know, this guy was a first-round pick two years ago. I'm like, well, it's the nicest thing you could say about David Roddy. He also said that he adds physicality um, and that, you know, he could he could do some things offensively with the ball in his hands. And I agree, but I was not sad to see David Roddy go. I saw a stat that among players with at least 300 field goal attempts, he had the lowest true shooting percentage. It got to the point where I cringed at a Dylan Brooks level when he was taking threes. And I just think that as we discussed earlier in the season, his body type, his game, 
he's so much of a tweener that I didn't see that much upside from him. Like I already thought he was pretty much maximizing who he could be. So I was not sad to see him go. And, and even at, you know, do I like him more than LaRavia? Yes. But I think that it's a low bar. That's a very low bar. If they were going to keep one of Zaire or Roddy, I'm glad they kept Zaire because at least we know that Zaire can be a lob threat next to job. But what did you think about the trade? Fine. <laughs> like at least, at least we're making We're not just keeping a bunch of guys who can't really like, can't really contribute. Right. Like if you keep LaRavia, Zaire and Roddy, those three guys are not able to contribute. And I agree with you. I think Zaire fits better with a John Morant led offense than either of those two guys. So I, I like Zaire being kind of sequestered from that trade. Now, if I was between Larry, I'm guessing they couldn't just get that much for Laravia. Um, I'm guessing it was probably the, the calculus there. Um, yep. Look, I, I think he's a better fit there, to be honest. I think they do need some physicality. I think he adds a bigger body presence than they're maybe have on, for their wings. I'm, from the Grizzlies' perspective, like I, that's the only thing I could think of that would be an addition to that roster. From from the Grizzlies' perspective, look, you have, you you get back maybe not as much as you want from like a win now perspective, but you get Ronnie after at least and be back for something. That's all I can really say about it. Like I feel so yeah. neutral about the trade. They made a line in the sand. They say. This is the only guy that isn't going to contribute that we can get something back for trade him. So I'm okay with it. And they do get back Utah Watanabe. He's, he's back yeah. in Memphis. Yeah. Uh, formerly the number 12 until he uh, very kindly gave up his number for jaw. Um, but you know, is he as good a player as David Roddy? No, he's not as well-rounded. He's not somebody who can do things with the ball in his hands. However, he's not 22 either. He's not 22, so. but he may be a better fit. Like if you are planning on keeping him at, at a minimum salary, like, a guy who's who's I believe six eight and can come in and shoot like that's not a bad thing to have for five ten minutes off your bench and and David Roddy got to the point where like he needs a bigger role to be able to maximize what he can do um, like I think he's at his best driving to the basket but that requires him to be on a team that that could give him the ball and um, the Grizzlies have way too many guys who are going to need the ball next year and even among the young guys there's other ones that they would rather have getting those playmaking reps. And I think maybe yeah. that's a good time to transition to those guys. So of course we're talking about Gigi Jackson and Vince Williams Jr. The two stories of the Grizzlies season, besides the injuries, besides suspensions, besides massive disappointment, but the positive storyline of the season has been the emergence of these two young wings. And, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you know about, Gigi Jackson and Vince Williams. You don't need us to recite their stats. So we're going to have a little debate um, and, you know, Royal Court style, talk about which one of these guys, if you could only keep one, would you choose moving forward? And Karna, I'll let you go first. Uh, I'm keeping Gigi Jackson. Um, I, I, you know, I've, I've, been, I've been high on the guy since we drafted him, to be honest with you. Uh, my Royal Decree, sure. a, cup, a couple of um, – you know, what feels I almost said a couple of years ago, a couple, you know, a couple months ago was that this guy was going to be a contributor. Uh, he's a raw talent. He's six, nine has incredible length physically. He's a guy that once he develops both defensively and offensively is a guy that will be contributing on both ends. He's a playmaker. There are things he can be better with, right? 
he still in, in, in losses, he still, you know, turns the ball over a fair amount. Um, he can be a defensive liability if he's out of position, which does happen. Those are things that I've seen in Gigi Jackson that are big areas of improvement, but the physicality is there. The ability to score is there and there's still room to grow. And I don't want to say I don't want to take anything away from Vince Williams Jr. Because of a certain parts of the season, he's been by far and away, maybe not our best player from a stats perspective, but our best player on the floor in terms of chemistry. So don't don't really don't I don't want to take anything away from him, but just the raw potential that Gigi Jackson Jr. has at 19. And the way I frame the question in my head is, if you had to start your franchise today, who are you taking? I'm oh. taking Gigi Jackson Jr. Because yeah. of that physicality, because of what he can offer, um, if he becomes a better let's let's say he right now he's shooting what like thirty six percent from three point land and like Jackson, no oh, sorry forty one percent he's shooting forty one percent for a six he, nine 19. for a six nine guard like dude he's not gonna shoot what what I'm saying is he's not gonna shoot that forever though like let's say he drops down to like thirty five percent. That is still something we haven't had. Something that we've been preaching is we want a tall wing who can do play a number of positions. And yeah. he, we got him in the second round, and he's 19 years old, and he just signed, signed a contract. Forget something for a second. Let's forget the debate for a second. These guys are both signed for team-friendly contracts. Yeah, 100%. That is enormous. Such smart thinking from the Grizzlies front office. Again, some of the smartest people in basketball – some of the dumbest people in basketball, both making decisions, and you'd love to see it. Um, makes for fun commentary, but I'm taking Gigi Jackson just off raw potential, raw scoring ability, and his athleticism. If we're talking about stealing, it's no debate. Like, yeah, Gigi Jackson could be an all star. I think that that's not even out of the realm of possible. Like, that's probably like yeah. at this point a. Not likely, but nobody is likely to turn into an all star unless you're victory. Nah, nah, hit the royal, hit the royal decree, hit the royal right, decree, hit, hit the royal decree. Gigi Jackson will be an all star in the next three years. Nah. Now, you, oh, no, people are like, oh, whoa, that's that's not that crazy. Well, it is kind of crazy. That is He's crazy. 19 years old right now. I'm calling my shot. I said one of my royal decrees looks like it's panning out right now. Dude. We need to we need to dig that one up because yeah. you you did call it with him before you had any evidence to say I'm so. Ca- I'm calling my shot again. I'm calling. I, what did I say? Three. I'm, I'm four years. I'm giving him four years to become an all star. Okay. I'm I'm guessing there will be some aging out. I'm guessing this guy will be an all star eventually in the next four to five years. And and I can't dispute that because six nine guys who can shoot and create with the ball in their hands are special and they become all-stars and even if he's not an all-star level player even if he becomes like a key starter level that's still huge because he fills a position of need um and i can't wait to see him play alongside your big three next year however and this is not just to disagree with you if i could only keep one for this current iteration of the memphis grizzlies and i mean like the john moran desmond bain jaron jackson jr teams i'm keeping vince williams because he is the perfect wing complement to those three. And one of the things that makes Vince Williams Jr. a better fit right now is that he doesn't need to be a scorer. Like, what's crazy to me is that over his last 16 games, this is since January 13th, 
Vince Williams Jr. is averaging 16 points, 6.6 rebounds, and 4.9 assists. In his past, uh, let's see, let me get the numbers right. In his past five games, he's had at least seven assists every game. Like, this guy's become a playmaker with a ball in his hands when, like, he was drafted to be just a defensive stopper. But next year, I think that's the role he's going to fit right back into. He's going to be chasing around the Steph Currys, the Anthony Edwards of the world. And some nights you're going to get torched, but every night he's going to make them work. He's going to take the defensive load off of Desmond and Ja. And he's going to knock down a reasonable amount of threes. And most importantly, he's not going to take anything off the table. While he plays this great defense, he's not going to be taking away from your team on the offensive end. And that's what Dylan Brooks did. That's to a lesser extent kind of what Marcus Smart does at, in, in his in his bad games. He's taking things off the table offensively. Vince Williams Jr. is not going to do that. He is just an ideal role player. Um, and I think he's going to be one of the five most important players on a Grizzlies team that makes a deep run in the playoffs. Gigi Jackson can get there too, but I think it's more likely – between the two, it's more likely that, that Gigi would end up getting benched in the playoffs because there's just not that much mm. of a role for him than Vince. Like, Vince is going to be on the court 30 minutes every night in every situation because you can't keep this guy off the court. He just impacts winning. Yeah, and, and that's something I said. And that's kind of – I like that you said that he impacts winning because that's what I meant Yeah. when I said that Vince Williams was our, like, quote-unquote best player, right? Like, he's not going to show up on the stat sheet, but he's mm. a guy that impacts winning. Let's put the debate aside for a second because I want us to get back to the team-friendly contracts. Yeah, that is an incredibly smart move. If our champion, if we're, we're talking championship window, right? If we are measuring the Grizzlies' championship window, the next three years, aka the length of Vince, Vince Williams Jr.'s contract, is a good chunk of that time. So mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that you say that because I think the Grizzlies front office agree with you, King insofar as they see Vince Williams Jr. as a cornerstone Mm -hmm. of this championship window and a guy who is – he's not – he doesn't have – he has skills that are hard to replicate. What I will say, though, is – and I'll pose this question to you. Do you think that Vince Williams Jr. takes a step back as far as usability, portability, which is something we talk about a lot, which is throwing him with any lineup – does he lose some of that basically rookie kind of shine if Marcus Smart comes back to full health and as, as you know, what, what we know Marcus Smart to be? My opinion right now would be that Vince Williams Jr. should start over Marcus Smart. Oh, wow. But I don't okay. anticipate that's going to happen. Yeah, I, I just think, think so that, either. like, Marcus Smart has earned that role and the front office spent a lot of capital to, to get him. And as we've talked about many times, there – it's not that they are ever wrong, but they, they don't want to be wrong. And if, if they're investing in an older player like that, who's going to have expectations for his own role, they're probably going to give it to him. But I think that Vince can be just as valuable off the bench because you can just fit him into so many different roles. Mm-hmm. Like if you uh, have a lineup that's just Jaron out there and, and no jaw and Dez at some point, like he can be one of your main ball handlers. We've seen his ability to set up his teammates. Like he is, he is running the offense for the Grizzlies right now. And he's doing it with, you know, seven plus assists in the last five games. He's not turning it over either. He's got a three to one assist to turnover yeah. ratio. Um, it doesn't look pretty always. He's, he's so herky jerky, kind of similar to Jaron, but he gets it done. And yeah. then if he's out there alongside 
Dez and Jaw. He can just stand in the corner, shoot, offensive rebound, play defense. Um, and so I think he's going to be able to fit in a lot of different lineups. And I do think they're going to end up closing a lot of games with him, even if they're not starting. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. I mean, do you think you think like off the bench you're not going to see the same production from? I don't expect to see the same stats because there's not going to be as much. No, I mean counting stats is not important, right? For a guy that that minutes are variable. It's it's like we talked about. It's impact winning. I think he makes impactful winning plays in every lineup he's been in so far. And trust me, he's seen a lot of lineups so far. Um, So I I mean I agree with you. I just think, and I really hate to say this, and you and you can disagree. There are guys like Vince Williams Jr. out there, right? Avery Brad, I don't know if you this name is going to freak you out. Avery Bradley was like that. Like he was yeah. a guy who's going to guard the best player on the team every night. Not as good as a three point shooter. Marcus Smart is a guy like that. There are guys almost in every generation that are three and D guys that impact winning that make hustle plays. Yeah, they're not always six nine guys who can just shoot. And and yeah. I mean maybe there will be more of them as as this AAU generation pans out. But Gigi Jackson is a special type of player for where we got him in the draft, for how much we signed him for, for the next four years. I, I just think, one, it's a – I know this is not what we're talking about, but I think it's a better contract. And then, two, I think he is going to be much more impactful long-term than Vince Williams Jr., and I think he is a more of a, more of a unicorn than Vince Williams Jr. is. That being said – I, I generally agree with you that right now, if I'm starting today and looking at each player and I, assuming a healthy Grizzlies, yeah, sure, maybe I take Vince Williams Jr. But as far as ceiling goes and where Gigi, and this is maybe hyperbole, but Gigi, Gigi Jackson, players like him, their long-term production are the difference between one championship and maybe bust versus like two, three championships. And I, I'll, I'll throw out a name and they don't play alike, but – Guys like Manu Ginobili, right? Guys who came off the bench, sure. But those are the guys that kind of extended the life of, a, of dynasties. And I think Gigi yeah. Jackson's one of those guys, right? He's a dynamic scorer. He is, still has a lot to learn about the game. But his ceiling is that. I don't I mean, if, if I knew Gigi Jackson was going to hit his ceiling, I wouldn't be having a podcast. I'd be the GM of the Grizzlies. <laughs> but um, yeah. so, look – that's my point on Gigi. I'm going off ceiling. You're going off right now. I think we both have good points. Um, it's just how how will things pan out in the next three, four years? That's well, going to be the question. The overall point is clearly, based on how glowingly we've spoken about both of them, that the Grizzlies had absolutely hit like not a home run. They hit like a cycle in one in one at bat with yeah. these two guys. Like it's yeah. insane to have gotten. Gigi Jackson and Vince Williams Jr. to already NBA level wings with the potential yeah. to grow into even more. And they're going to pay them each basically $2 million a year. And let me tell you something smaller than what you just said. It's, it's less significant. They like being Grizzlies, man. Yeah, They, they like playing in Memphis. And that's a huge deal for people who are Memphis Grizzlies fans. Yeah. Because we are, we are an insular group. From what I've seen on Twitter, we are an insular group. And, and we love our guys. And they are loved by the city already, mm-hmm. and and I think it'll it's it's a good marriage that we have them for as long as we do. Yeah, and I'll wrap up the segment by saying that of the guys who have played at least 200 minutes this season for the Grizzlies, the two best in net rating on off on off net rating differential 
you would guess it. Vince Williams Jr. G. And Jake Laravia. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and Vince and Gigi are followed by Marcus and Ja. So yeah. they're having an even bigger impact on the game than those guys. Um, and yeah, some of that is some shooting disparities, particularly in Gigi's case. Like he's not going to shoot 41% forever, but his ability to make plays off the bench has been absolutely revelatory, game-changing, has, has made this part of the Grizzlies season fun. And Vince Williams Jr. is just developed into the perfect role player. So those two guys are what's giving us hope for next year. But speaking of, the Grizzlies are going to get a lottery pick this year. Um, how high that is obviously depends on the bounce of some ping pong balls and, and how much they lose down the stretch, which if you're a Grizzlies fan, you should be rooting for that to be a lot. But um, the one hole you see on this team moving forward into next year is center. Obviously, they traded away Steven Adams. I don't even know. Have we talked since then? I mean, they traded no. away Steven Adams. No. <laughs> they traded away Steven Adams. <laughs> that was like a week before the deadline. It feels like forever ago. Yeah. It hurt a lot less than it would have if it happened like after he'd been playing. But we haven't seen this guy in well over a year. So, I don't know. Just speak quickly about that trade. Like, Did you think that kind of dumping off Steven Adams for uh, for just – draft assets was a good move for the Grizzlies moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. He's a guy that, that unfortunately, well, it depends. The PCL does scare, like the knee injuries scare me. And it, it, it's like, is this the, is this guy going to be available in our championship runs in a way that's mm-hmm. really like, is he going to be as impactful? Is he going to come back explosive? Look, Brandon Clark is like 25, right? Uh, Steven Adams, 31, or 30 or 31. I forget which. Mm. You just don't recover the same. And and I, I think the Grizzlies made a calculated move and said, hey, this guy probably won't be as available as we need him to for our playoff runs. We need people that are available. We are a young team. We can get a little bit younger. We can extend the life of our championship window by drafting smart, which we have proven that Mm -hmm. we are able to do sometimes David Roddy, notwithstanding and Jake Laravia, notwithstanding. So yes, I I think it's a smart, I think it's a, again, I feel very neutral about that move. It just signals to me that they weren't confident in the recovery of Steven Adams. Yeah. And the Rockets are in a position where they can take a chance. Now, I think there's some interesting dynamics to play with between him and Alperin Shangun that will have to just play out on the court. And I, I mean, if, if a person is smart enough, you know, if there's a basketball mind that can figure out, maybe it's Ime Udoka, but all, all that's to say is neutral about the move. We got draft assets out of, it. we got something out of it. It just shows to me that, uh, I, and I don't, I don't know if that's true or not, whether he can contribute, but it just showed me that the Grizzlies front office thinks that they, that he won't contribute to the, as much as he needs to, to that, to that championship run, hopefully in the next year. Anybody who was paying attention knew that like the Grizzlies weren't going to keep all of Zaire, Jake Laravia and David Roddy on the team next year. Yeah. And even if, you know, some people would have rather seen Laravia or Zaire go, I don't think anybody was like torn up about David Roddy being traded. Cause you're like, you had to get rid of one of those guys. It, it wasn't working out to have all three. They're not developing and you know, their first round picks, you do have to pay them more than a minimum salary. And then 
the other thing that you knew was they weren't going to keep both Brandon Clark and Steven Adams injured big men on the roster next year, both making pretty big salaries. And I think they made the right call. And so that transitions us into this question, which is what should the Grizzlies do at center? And I guess I'll start and answer this one. Like, I don't think they have to make a big move and I don't think they will because Brandon Clark seems to be progressing back pretty quickly like he said back in December, he was going to play around the all-star break. That obviously, I don't think that would have happened even if the injury, injuries to John Desmond and Marcus hadn't basically ended the season. But he is working out. Just saw uh, pictures of him working out in Turks and Caicos with Jaron. It seems like he'll probably play at some point this season if the Grizzlies want him to. And we have seen that he, alongside Jaron Jackson Jr., is the perfect fit. Yeah, he doesn't give you a ton of size, but he gives you the rebounding and the lob threat that Jaron really isn't. And so I'm wondering aloud if the Grizzlies aren't just going to lean into the Jaron Jackson Jr. Brandon Clark starting lineup, which is what they were generally using as a closing lineup anyway. I mean, look, Brandon Clark is coming off an Achilles injury, which is pretty, pretty, na- pretty nasty injury, to be honest. Yeah, I think he's going to be on a pretty severe minutes restriction i look this the, we're not talking we're not even talking about this season if he can come back in 2025 at least moderately healthy you could see that lineup we would be giving up a lot of size though mm. and and the, our our biggest big men quote unquote would be a guy who has proven that he's not a great rebounder he's great in the pick and roll but we lose a we come back to the same problem that we've come back to in a, a post Steven Adams world, which is rebounding, right? Brandon Clark has been a pretty good rebounder, not nearly as on the same level as Steven Adams. It was. Yeah. And right. And that's hard to find. Don't get me wrong. You're not going to just find that anywhere. But my argument is you lose physicality when you lose Steven Adams. We've seen that struggle with that. We've seen a struggle with that all year. We lose rebounding. I don't think you've sufficiently filled the hole with just a Brandon Clark. Now, does that mean we look into a bench asset? Does that mean we look into a true starting big man? I don't know. Or like, I mean, either one is fine. Is basically what I'm saying there. But I don't think Brandon Clark alone standing at six, eight is a guy solely that can, that can withstand the physicality needed to be the sole big man on a team. I think with someone yeah. like jaw, you need a physical presence that can run the pick and roll that can, and this is going to sound messed up, but it's true too. send a physical message when you need to. I think those things you're missing out with Steven Adams and you do need someone in that role to fill, not to be exactly like Steven Adams, but to at least fulfill some of those things. Yeah. And right now, Brandon Clark isn't that guy to do that. Well, the follow-up to me is like, I'm yes, I'm thinking that like if Brandon Clark was ready to potentially come back in February, then by October, he should be ready to play 20, 25 minutes a game. You're still going to need another big man, and that's clear. Like They they are going to use their final roster spot next year on a big man, whether that's a lottery pick or somebody you traded for with that lottery pick. And I think that big man, though, does not need to be starting level right away. They just need to be somebody who can also come in and play 20 minutes give you some rebounding, give you some size set screens. And like, if, if you're looking at the top of the draft board at center, I don't pretend to be a draft expert at all, but like if, if you could get Alex Sar, who's by some measure, the best player in this draft, 
you're going to do that. Like, there's just almost no doubt. But the odds of the Grizzlies getting up high enough in the draft to get him, I think, are pretty low. Then below him, though, like, there's centers like Donovan Klingen from UConn and Kyle Filipowski from Duke, who could be pretty helpful off the bench, guys, if you have enough trust in Brandon Clark to be a starter or at least a closer. And I do. I think that the historical uh, statistics show us that Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr. are a formidable front court. They accent each other's strengths, hide each other's weaknesses. And just because he's not that big doesn't mean he can't play big. Like he went up against the, the Timberwolves front line and absolutely terrorized them. He basically created the Rudy Gobert trade. And I cannot wait to see him create that havoc on the boards again. I, I really when, when we we watched a tournament last year. Yeah. Um I love the U- UConn system. I love Donovan Klingen in that system. I think he's a great player. I would love to draft him. It depends where we are, right? Like if we get out yeah. Sar, yeah, we pick out under Sar. Um yeah, I'm not a draft expert either. My only argument, yeah, I, I could see Brian Clark taking some of those starting minutes. He's a young guy. He can also put on weight. Like, that. that's not the – he can get a little bit stronger and, and, and work on that. I, I just worry about the, the rebounding. It's the only thing. He, he yeah. has done a pretty good job He in, in certain circumstances, especially on the offensive glass. But I, I, I do believe we do need a physical presence, and I think drafting that is smart at the top of, of the draft because – Another thing is, what other holes are you trying to fill here, right? Like, I I would say basically nothing else. Like, yeah. That's so once you you pick a center, you pick a guy who maybe can stretch the floor too, um, you know, unicorn aside, but some guy who can at least serviceably shoot for three without you being like, oh my god, what was that? Um, but yeah, I I agree with you. I, I think he can take some starting minute. Uh, Brandon Clark can can be the guy, but you need someone kind of aiding him more than you would need Steven Adams, someone aiding Steven Adams, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Like, obviously like Steven Adams was perfect for, yeah. for so many reasons, but yeah. you know, I think they were probably looking to transition from that anyway. And yeah. so really the, the person we haven't brought up in this discussion, but the person who this really comes down to is Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah. How close can he get to being a true center? We know that he can be a true center in terms of his interior scoring we know that he can be a true center in terms of his rim protection, but the rebounding has gone down this season. Um, he's Somehow. not much of a screen setter. Yeah. And like the rebounding went down from a very low bar to begin with. So like he does not need, in my opinion, a true center next to him, but he needs somebody who can help him with the rebounding. Yeah. He needs somebody who can be a pick and roll threat. And yeah. I think that's why Brandon Clark fits so well in that role. That's a good point. Yeah. I, I just worried about Brandon Clark's size and being bullied around. He hasn't, yeah. again, there has been times where he has not, but the Western Conference has substantively changed, right? Like, there, ha- right? We Rudy, Go- like just like you said, Rudy Gobert has been a, a a new kind of entrance into the Western Conference that now we have to deal with. Which I guess transitions you to your last question, right? Yeah, dude, you that was professional yeah. podcast. So yeah. let's go. So as you teased out, our last question is. We believe the Memphis Grizzlies will be contenders for at least the next two seasons. When you have John Morant, Desmond Bain, Darren Jackson Jr., and Marcus Smart under contract. But the thing is, like, two years ago when the Grizzlies broke out, you're like, okay, this is going to be the team. They're going to be the team everyone's looking up to in the Western Conference. 
uh, once, once the Warriors fade out, the Lakers fade out, the Clippers fade out. And I still think those teams are on the downslope for sure. But the problem is some other teams have risen up to kind of take that place. And so in particular, like we're talking about the Timberwolves, the Thunder, we're talking about the Spurs with Wimby, the Mavs with Luka, and, you know, to an extent that you believe in the Clippers and the Warriors and Lakers moving forward. And of course, we're forgetting the reigning Western Conference champs, the Denver Nuggets moving forward. Like, I just want to know what you think, Karna, of which of those teams, and you can name more than one, which of those teams scare you the most and do you think could m- most likely prevent the Grizzlies from ever reaching the NBA Finals? So let me let me crystallize the question just a little bit. I think the yeah. question that we're asking, too, is which teams championship windows overlap with the Grizzlies the yeah. most? Great way to put it. Absolutely. I think that the Spurs do not. They just don't. Like, Wemby's going to take some more time. Let's call it maybe three, four years. They're going to have to put pieces around them. So I, I think the Spurs maybe shouldn't be in that discussion. So now we're to, like, in my opinion, the Lakers are fading. Warriors are fading. I believe in the next three, four years, the Nuggets will also fade. Um, wow. Okay. So why do you think the Nuggets will fade? I mean, I, 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 I think don't you, see I, going I, anywhere. I, I don't see Jokic going anywhere. I see the pieces around him going other places. And if the Denver Nuggets are able to like rebuild well, sure, fine. But I don't know. I I mm. hate I, I I don't want to be painted into this corner, but I just believe that Jokic at 33 is going to look way like I'm. He doesn't have an athletic game to begin with. I don't know if he's going to be the same guy in four to five years, based off of how seven four body type is. If that makes sense, right? Like. I just think his staying power, it may it, – let, let's talk about the pieces around him first. <laughs> I think the pieces around him – I just don't want to be like, Jokic is going to be bad in 34. Yeah, that's I, ridiculous. I want you to say that so I can clip <laughs> it and have it forever. Yeah, I don't want to say that because I don't think it's true. I just think his efficacy will start to decrease a little bit more mm-hmm. as people catch up to him, as the game potentially catches up to him, and the pieces around him also age. Jamal Murray has an Achilles, and I think – two Achilles injuries or rather ACL injuries. Do I think he's a guy that will, will has staying power? They have a dynamic duo right now. I don't know how it plays out in the next couple of years for, with them, but I want to crystallize the discussion to two teams. Sure. Let's let's I'll put the nuggets in that discussion and the Mavs in that discussion, but I don't have forever. I think it's OKC thunder is like a very, very big threat to the Grizzlies and then the Timberwolves. Yeah. I think the Timber and I really hate to say this because I hate the Timberwolves. I think they might have the player of this generation of player. All right. All in right. Ant Edwards. He okay. is a dynamic scorer. He is a fun player to watch. He's athletic, but he, he doesn't only rely on his athleticism. He's had tough parts in the season, but he's still a young player. And I think they have built a really, really solid team that can get it done on the court that doesn't have the off-court issues that they have had before. I think the Timberwolves championship window is opening up right now. Hmm. And I think the, it'll, it will be a pretty long championship window, especially with Ant Edwards at the helm. OKC Thunder, Chet, SGA, a lot of good young players, guys who can do different things, guys who have high portability uh, other than SGA. They build that system around SGA. They let Chet develop into, at his highest, is a star to superstar. 
but right now is a serviceable role player that can do a number of different things. That is going to be really, really hard to deal with in the West. So those two teams, in my estimation, pay, play the biggest role in, in the way of the Grizzlies just because they're so young and they have so many stars, right? That young, average young age really, really scares me because those stars are going to be there for a long time while John Morant is in, currently in his prime, while Jaron Jackson Jr. is currently in their prime, while Desmond Bain is currently in their prime. But where Gigi Jackson also is in their prime, we will see those teams also have young stars. Sorry, that was an inarticulate way to say these guys are young, they're good, they know how to play with each other, and they're still figuring it out right alongside the Grizzlies who are also young and trying to figure it out. And that's scary to me. Okay, so between those two teams, the Timberwolves and the Thunder, Timberwolves. You, have, you take this with the Wolves. Okay. Yeah. Between those two and overall in this question, the Thunder are the team that scare me the most, and here's why. Okay. I'll, I'll start with the teams that, that don't as much. I think the Timberwolves have a shot to win the NBA title this season. Like, they're that good. Um, but also, like, while they are young, they are relying on older pieces too. Like, Rudy Gobert has been incredible this year, but it does it, it kind of feels like a last gasp from him. Um, we know that Carl Anthony Towns, not because of age, but because of just mentality, is always like waiting to be a locker room situation, like something yeah. to blow up there. And Mike Conley is a huge part of that team, an underrated part of that team between his shooting and his playmaking. And we obviously know he's not going to be there forever. I think this kind of feels like the year for the Timberwolves if they're going to get it done. And if not this year, then next year. So I don't think they overlap as much with the Grizzlies window. Then on the other side of it, uh, the team that's not going to overlap in the other direction is the Spurs. Victor Wimbanyama is going to be the best player in the NBA maybe within five years. He terrifies me. But it's they seem so far from being able to put a competent team around him right now. Like I think they might make the playoffs within the next two years. But I don't see, unless they really hit a home run in the draft, them being able to get to contending status in time to, to overlap with the Grizzlies window. So then in, in this case, we're down to like the older teams, Clippers, Warriors, Lakers, Nuggets, and then the Thunder. Um, I'm going to throw out the Mavs as well, because as amazing as Luka is, they also don't seem capable of putting that level of team. Now Luka himself may be able to carry them to the NBA finals, but as a team, they don't scare me as much. And then like the older teams, I think the Nuggets probably are the scariest team for the next year or two. Um, but I agree that just because we've seen dynasties not last, that like you're going to start to see some regression there, even from Jokic. Um, Clippers, Lakers, Warriors, not worried about it all in the three-year timetable. But the team that does worry me is absolutely the Thunder because they are just as talented as the Grizzlies, but younger and I don't think there's an argument right now. John Morant is not as good as Shea. Can he get back to that level? Maybe. But like SGA is doing things, well-rounded things in this game that the jaw has never been able to, to do. He is the type of like guy you can truly build around just him in and of himself that I'm not even sure jaw is. And I love John Morant. But, you know, and, and then I think Chet Holmgren is probably – in some ways, more impactful than Jaron already. And that's because he's he is just such a, an efficient offensive player. Um, 
he can literally be a point guard at seven feet tall. Now, Jalen Williams is not Desmond Bain. They've still got questions to answer with their own depth, even as like they are deep, but like unproven guys. Um, So it's not like the Grizzlies couldn't win a playoff series with them next year. But if there's going to be a team that's going to run the West over the next three to five years, when we would hope it would be the Grizzlies, I think that the Thunder are the answer. And it looks like we're just going to go back to like the early 2010s when it's the grit and grind Grizzlies versus the flashy young Thunder. And I hope we get that playoff series because it would be freaking electric. Here's here's my argument for the Timberwolves, though. I I understand they are relying on older pieces, but that's why I said Ant might be the player of this generation because there are going to be guys who want to play with Ant, who will take yeah. team-friendly contracts. And that ownership group that just changed sure. is going to be willing to spend big. To, to bring a ch- championships to Minnesota. Ant is a guy who wants to win. I don't think he has as much of a that, – that mentality of like, I am the superstar. I need to be like number one. I don't care about – he cares about winning first and foremost. I think that gr- group can play – start putting pieces around him that are guys that are like 29, 28, um, you know, that are maybe on the latter half of their career that want to win, right? We saw the Lakers do something like this very recently. And I think Ant is a guy who wants to win, who wants guys around him who who will want to win and people will want to play with him Mm -hmm. as this generation's player. What I didn't want to say was that he's like this generation's LeBron where people just want to play with him. Because again, I can't just be saying stupid things, but you already called Jokic washed. No, no. See, see that that's what we're not going to do. He's going to win MVP. And now <laughs> yeah. you're saying that Ant Edwards is already surpassed LeBron in the go-to. Yeah, game. actually, yeah. I did say all that. No, I, I just think that he's a guy that that creates for other people alongside getting mm-hmm. his own. And I think that skill set is a thing that people want to play around and can see themselves winning in an environment like that. And look, it's his team now. And I think, I, I think we, one of the reasons Cat has really not become a locker room problem this year, even though he said that dumb stuff about Ant's diet, is that he knows that he's a number two now. And that's always what Cat should have been, right? Like, I think that is the natural role for Cat as a, in terms of his mentality. Um, all that's to say is, I think Ant is, is a generational player in the making. Um, and I, I think he definitely poses a threat it, 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 to me as much as the OKC Thunder, just because people will want to play with him in the future. Well, let me just point out that your generational player averages 1.9 more points than Desmond Bain this season and the same number of assists. So, yes, I know that Ant Edwards is a better player than Desmond Bain, but I think, you know, he, he has that, like, the the vibe and the potential to be – the face of the league. And I think a lot of people have kind of already slotted him into that, but he's also 22. If you told me that John Morant got back to being better than Anthony Edwards, I would be surprised, but I wouldn't be shocked. Like, I think that's within the realm of possibility. And the same thing with Shea, like right now, both those guys are so clearly better than jaw, but we've seen that at his best jaws right there in that conversation and may even have a better team around him, depending on the development of those other guys. So you're saying Ant, because Ant Edwards is only averaging 26 right now, <laughs> he is not a he can he does no he, at 22 years old in the NBA 
He's not a generational talent. He's not he is a generational talent. I am okay. not going to play in that quarter. You know, he's right. incredible. And if you're saying, like, which player on any of those teams scares you the most, it starts with Wimby, and then it's Luka, yeah. and Does then it's Dan. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say that's true. I just don't believe in the Mavericks. Yeah, to put a to put a team around him, and then the Sp- I do believe in the Spurs to put a team around Wemby. It's just going to take some time. Yeah, and Popovich is just going to have to hang on and take a lot of you know life extending medication so that he can be around for the Wimbanyana dynasty, which is inevitably coming. Just watch that, dude. Dude, watch him win five more rings, dude. With Wimbanyana, <laughs> that'd be so annoying. It seems entirely possible. Yeah, but. Any more thoughts on the just absolutely ridiculous Western Conference that the Grizzlies are going to have to navigate moving forward? Is it possible to move the Grizzlies to the Eastern Conference? I've been saying this for years, okay? <laughs> Put two expansion teams in the Western Conference and move the Grizzlies back to the East, please. So let's say Nashville gets a team, right? Nashville's in the Eastern Conference then, right? I mean, they have to be. Memphis is, the last time I looked at this, Memphis is the... Easternmost oh, Western, Western Conference team. Yeah. But all 15 Eastern Conference teams are east of Memphis, which was weird to me. Like Chicago is like significantly east of Memphis. It doesn't make It, it doesn't feel like it should because it feels yeah. like it should go straight down, but yeah. Exactly. That's how I felt, but then you look at a map you're like, no, it's not it's not the case. Yeah. So uh I I'm afraid that the we can't claim conspiracy theory and also they were in Vancouver before this, but if, if they did expand and let's say it was like Seattle and, and Vegas, Vegas is clearly going to be one of them. So if the other expansion team is also in the Eastern conference or in the Western conference, excuse me. Really take, us over, right over. take us over. Please take us over. Yeah. Cause if we had this same conversation about the East, is there anybody? Dude, we might be in the playoff team? picture in the East, dude. Like this year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the Celtics are going to be good for a while. The Bucks aren't. <sighs> Like, yeah, I mean, are. are the Celtics going to be good for a while? <laughs> and and I don't like, know. could the Grizzlies pass them in two or three years? Absolutely, they could pass. Absolutely, them. they could. Absolutely, not they could. necessarily will. But like, it's more within the realm of possibility than getting to the top of the Western Conference. Which Jalen Brown, twenty-seven. I mean, Jason. Tate, I mean, ages and everything. But I, I get that. But they have it's some younger role like, players, stars. But Al Horford is good lord. That man is old. Yeah. Well, and it's more, it's not so much that the Celtics aren't as good as the Thunder in two years. It's more so that there's like five teams in the Western Conference to scare you. And if I'm really looking at it, there's like one. Yeah. Cause you think the Lakers aren't going to spend? <laughs> like, yeah. It, like, yeah. LeBron's old, AD fragile. Dude, the Lakers can still drop any, they have unlimited amount of money, if we're just being honest. And the Warriors but, might trade for LeBron. Yeah. Like, the, the, <laughs> Warriors have unlimited amount of money. Like they are willing to spend. These teams are willing to spend, and that's that. That's something that we didn't take into consideration, which is like these teams have incredibly high willingness to spend, and people want to play there. It's not like the Knicks, where they have a high willingness to spend, but no one wants to play there. They have a incredibly like these two teams have incredibly rabid fan bases that want to win now, that are willing to spend, and, and front offices that are willing to spend money and make yeah. huge trades. And ultimately, like to bring it back to the Grizzlies, if the Grizzlies are going to win a championship, they're going to have to be a luxury tax team. They're probably going to have to go pretty significantly into the luxury tax because you're obviously already paying your stars big contracts um, and max contracts in, in, in a couple player cases. But 
you're also going to have to like be willing to pay for that $10 million role player um, who you can get with your MLE, but like just because you can get with the MLE, a lot of owners aren't willing to spend that. And Memphis is, we know, a low value market. Like even yeah. though the Grizzlies have incredible fans, it's like a very, uh, it's one of the bottom teams in terms of valuation. And so like, is Robert Perra going to pay the luxury tax? that might ultimately decide the fate of a potential Grizzlies dynasty. Yeah. You got to want it. You got to want it. Like you just, yeah, you, there's certain things in life you just have to pay for. And that's one of those to win. Yeah. You got to spend to win at least a little bit. Like you just got to spend to win. And look, it, it's hard because you have a luxury tax in place in the NBA that provides more of a cap than maybe other sports. Mm-hmm. So, do I think that the Grizzlies can spend and win? Yes. It's just going to be a willing, like all these teams need to have a willingness to pay. Yeah. Right. Like the issue with the Blazers too, in a lot of these with Dame was like, they just didn't have a high willingness to pay. Yeah. And and that really stole the prime of a superstar talent. And that sucks. I don't want to draw Morant to go the same way. And it seems like he's not, to be honest, because of Jaron Jackson Jr. and Desmond Bain and Gigi yeah. Jackson. And Jackson, <laughs> amen to that. Well, yeah. dude, this has been a great all-star break pod. Um, we have not talked in too long, but, uh, you know, whether whether you agree with our determination about the Grizzlies season being fun for some reasons, this podcast still had a lot of fun things to talk about. And, and I am yeah. grateful to Gigi Jackson, Vince Williams Jr. in particular, and also the, uh, the Western Conference Log Jam for giving us some great content and yeah. uh, you know it will never stop. Yep, 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 yep. Well, that'll do us. That'll do it for us here at Hoops Royalty. I'm King Jimison, alongside, as always, Carnivagatraj. We're bringing you Royal Hoops takes about the Memphis Grizzlies, about the NBA, about pretty much anything that comes to our mind. And we will be back soon. You can find us on all the social medias. Please. Uh, like and subscribe on YouTube, five-star reviews and nice comments wherever you listen to this podcast. We will be back with you shortly. Until then, have a great night and go Grizz.